The Institute of Directors professional development programmes equip learners with the knowledge, skills and mindset to be enterprising and innovative, enabling organisations to become more productive and competitive. The IOD's programmes ensure directors develop an awareness of their interpersonal skills, legal and business knowledge, financial acumen, ethical questioning, decision-making abilities and the highest standards of professional conduct. The IOD is the only institute in the world to offer internationally recognised qualifications designed by directors for directors under Royal Charter. For more information on IOD training, visit iod.com today. Welcome to the Institute of Directors Business Podcast, a podcast where we interview directors from all over Scotland about their careers and business. I'm your host, Marlene Lowe, director and founder of Titchborne Promotions and long-term IOD member. Gail Bogue is Dean of the Business School at Edinburgh Napier University. She believes in connecting business with academia, developing relevant skills and driving innovation and enterprise. Her story today shows where she's taken her knowledge of business and applied that to the academic world. And her passion really shines through in wanting to make a difference. So I'm Gail Bogue. As you know, I'm Dean of the Business School at Edinburgh Napier University. Um, we're a modern university. Um, I'm pleased to say that we're the number one modern university in Scotland actually now, according to the Good University Guide and Sunday Times this year, which is fantastic news. The business school, obviously, the one I'm responsible for is the largest of six schools within the university. We have almost 9,000 students, um, which actually makes us one of the largest business schools in the country. Mm -hmm. um, and traditionally, I guess, we've built our um, distinctiveness on programmes that are very connected with industry, as you know, and graduates that are highly employable. Um, and that's something that, that we really value. It's the heart of what we do in the business school and at Edinburgh Napier. And it's that applied practice-based learning mm. that really sets us apart um, and helps us to engage externally and go on to strive um, to be a leading business school. Yeah, I think um, really what underpins that and what I firmly believe is that it's so important that students get the knowledge of a great degree. Of course, that's going to university, they have to get that, but also the skills and it's all those soft skills that again, you and I have talked about at length before, the confidence and self-awareness, <laughs> yeah. all these things that they need in order to be successful. Um, in order to fill that skills gap, drive that productivity. And that's something that really, we really work hard, not, in, not only in the business school, but across the university on. Mm. Um, it's, really, it's really important. And I guess for me, um, again, you know my background, I'm not an academic. Um, and that in itself is highly unusual in yeah. to be head of a faculty or a school or within university, not to be an academic. But I actually don't make any apologies for that because one, we're a business school and therefore <laughs> having that knowledge and link to business, I think is really important. But I have a faculty full of great academics, so they don't need me to be that. They have that. They tick all those boxes. They can advise and support and guide me in those areas. Although I must admit, I think I've 
I hope I've learned pretty quickly um, the sort of academic aspects, but you know, I can bring all the other things to it in terms of the wealth of knowledge and expertise, um, if you like, from that business world, which I think is really important as well. Indeed, indeed. And, and you've had an interest in business, well, definitely since university, but w where did that love of business start? Um, where did it start? I guess I always knew I wanted to be in business in some shape or form. Anybody, at, well, I think when I was at school, as most people, I don't think you really often know exactly what you want to do, where you want to go. But I knew that I wanted to be in the corporate world in some shape or form. Mm. Um, so, of course, I did what everybody else, well, not everybody, but lots of people do is apply through the graduate programs. And I was lucky enough to get offered two graduate programs at the time, one for BT and one for Diageo. Mm -hmm. And when I look back, really, really surprising. Um, I went for the BT one. Yeah. Which, <laughs> thinking back, I don't actually know why I did, but um, <laughs> it was a great decision. You'd think I would have gone with the, the drinks and the alcohol being a student, yeah. but I went for technology. Um, and it, it was a great, you know, a fabulous, fabulous place to start my career um, in the graduate program. I worked in London for a number of years um, and just developed and learned a huge amount um, within BT. They, they, I think, developed their staff very, very well and put you through this sort of formal training program throughout your entire career with them. And so you're always learning, you're always developing. Um, and I went in and, and did all sorts of different things. I mean, largely I was there to sell as a client or account director. Well, I started off as an account manager, then account director, and then client director, um, and then sales manager, and sort of worked my way up. But they also make sure as part of that, that they focus on the commercial aspects, the contract management, the finance, the law, all these other things that you really should have a good handle on in order to be successful. Yeah. That was a brilliant grounding for me. Um, and I learned a huge amount and I don't think I realized how much I learned when I was with BT until I left. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was interesting and, and it was again when I actually left BT for the first time because I got I met my husband in BT, I got married, um, kids came along and I was one of these people that was so focused on my career mm. I thought you know I had a, a childminder nanny lined up my first um, when my first daughter was born I was going to go back have my career continue to climb the ladder but there, it was full-on um, lots of traveling my husband also traveled and I remember um, you know handing my daughter over to the nanny for the first sort of few weeks and crying my eyes out getting in the car and just hating oh. it thinking I can't do this I can't do this and I felt so torn yeah so I made that decision um, to to pack it in yeah. But within six months of being at home, as much as I adored my daughter, I knew I wasn't cut out for being at home all the time. <laughs> and I wasn't cut out either to sort of, to be a, yeah, just to be a, a mum at home and, and do the lunches and, and the baby chats. So I very quickly looked for something else to do. And that got me into sort of the time where I, I got involved in small business and had my own business and did various things. Yeah. So it's interesting how at different stages of your career, obviously with things that happen in your personal life, you change and you do different things and you adapt. And I guess I've always been lucky that I've managed to find my way into something. Yeah. Suits my circumstances at the time. <laughs> now, there was one thing that I wanted to ask. I saw that you had done a, uh, an exchange semester in Texas. Yeah. 
while you did your BA. Um, how, how did you find that cult? Did you learn much when you were there in terms of culture and business? Yeah, I mean, a couple of things. So obviously I did it as part of my degree at University of Stirling initially. Um, and, and, you know, fabulous experience. I went from a university that probably had, I can't remember exactly, but say there was only a few thousand, three, four or 5,000 students perhaps at the time in Stirling on campus to a university in the States that had 39,000 students. So totally different environment. But what was interesting as well was two things. First of all, it was a subject choice. So I did a business degree at Stirling, mm -hmm. but in uh, the States, I chose to focus on sales and sales strategy and sales leadership. And that was something that we just didn't offer in the UK. Um, but of course it's, it's big in the, in the US and universities. There's lots of universities that do sales and lots of students that want to do sales. Um, so I focused on that. So it was very different from a, an academic perspective. But the way they, um, they taught in those days, certainly at university in the US, was very different. Mm -hmm. um, it was, at the time, it was a case of you were given the theory, you learned the theory. Yes, you practiced the theory, but that was it. It was about this is how it's done or this is how it should be done. This is how you do it. And now go off and practice it. Whereas in the UK at the time and now still, we are very much encouraging students to think, to analyze, to be critical, to add, look at you know, different ways of doing things. So it's a very, very different approach, which I found at the time quite interesting. And I mean, obviously I don't have hands-on experience of US education now. I suspect it's come on and changed and is more focused on the same as what we do in the UK now, but it's interesting. Yeah. What's the most challenging role that you've held during your career? I mean, I'd say the last six months of the university yeah. in COVID actually. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Shall we say pre-COVID then when, when times are a bit more normal? <laughs> yeah, let's go pre-COVID because I, I can honestly say through all the things that the last six to 12 months has been the most challenging of my career, absolutely, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, pre-COVID, what's been the most challenging? Um, it's a good question. There's probably been different challenges along the way. Um, I think probably when I was one at, during the period when I was in between corporate life and um, when I was at home, because in the end I ended up actually being at home um, doing different things for almost 15 years mm. uh, before I rejoined what I would class as corporate life again um, as I was bringing up my kids. But in that time, as you know, I, I got involved in a number of businesses and I also started up my own business. And I would say that's the, the toughest thing I've ever done. Um, but it was enjoyable, but it was tough because I was, I have never ever been out of my comfort zone as much in that time. Um, so I'd worked, say when the girls were born, I'd worked um, in various businesses and I'd been lucky enough to have the right networks that I could get involved in and, and work with them. And that was great, but it was very much low risk for me because I was just going in and helping them do a job or sell or whatever it was. Um, but when I got the idea that I wanted to do something a bit different, was in the um, UK um, training initiatives business that I started up. Mm -hmm. And what this actually was, it came about because I had a great friend who was a guidance teacher in high school. And at the time I had two daughters and I was probably one of these paranoid mothers that think 
you know, your kids are growing up and they're going out into this big, bad, scary world and they're going to be <laughs> drinking or having sex or taking drugs or doing all these naughty things that they shouldn't be doing. <laughs> and as a mom, you panic and you can't quite get your life, couldn't quite get my head around that. And my kids weren't all that old at the time either. And I was chatting to this friend of mine who was a guidance teacher about what they do and what they do at schools and how they educate kids and found out there wasn't really much there. Um, in terms of materials and very little guidance there and yet you look around and I, there was a program on Channel 4 at the time that was looking at, it was mainly actually sex education in um, I think it was Norway or Finland, it was a long time ago, I think it was Norway and how they did it and I got quite interested in just thinking about this. So anyway, to cut a long story short, um, I worked with a, another couple of colleagues and um, I contact, reached out to a number of experts in largely in Greater Glasgow Health Board at the time and spoke to them and gathered as much information as I could from, from all sorts of areas and worked with a couple of people, set up a business and produced um, training materials for school kids, sort of 14 to 18 year olds. And it was on um, se it was sexual health training course, if you like, on sex, drugs, alcohol awareness. And it was meant to, to educate kids obviously but put a bit of a, a light-hearted spin on it as well and make it sort of a fun way of them learning about drugs and yeah and all these type of things and alcohol and and uh the dangers as such um so we produced three course books um for high schools we produced sort of cds uh, with worksheets and that kind of thing at the time and um, I got those published and pulled them together. And that was the hardest bit because I had never, ever published anything in my life. Didn't know where to start. Um, and it, just through talking to people and building up those networks, um, I managed to get it done. So published them, sold them to schools throughout the UK. Um, and then I was approached by the Scouting Association who were looking at producing... Um, online materials around this very subject for their 30,000 Boy Scouts and girls in the UK. So in the end, I sort of did a deal with them and said, well, you buy the license for this and you can have it and fill your boots. And that's what they did. Yeah. So um, they then run, as far as I know, they still run it for all their, their Boy Scouts and girls throughout the UK. And at that point, that's when I sort of thought, right, enough's enough and go back into the, the corporate world. But that was, it was tough and stressful, really just, just the not knowing. And I was used to, remember I grew up, my whole working life would be really in larger organizations where I've got lots of people to speak to mm -hmm. and to learn from. And this was finding my way in the dark. And that's when you realize just how important networks of any kind are. Yeah. Being able to talk to people. Yeah. So that's almost like your, your or not almost, it, almost your first, but is one of the examples of you changing education and the way education is taught and changed. It, well, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I guess it was my first foray into education, albeit at schools. Um, absolutely. I mean, certainly now, you know, there's, I would love to say that I am going to revolutionise the way um, education <laughs> has been done or HE has been done. Of course, that's absolutely not true and it doesn't need revolutionised. It's, you know, it's done a great job for hundreds of years and it will continue to do a great job. I think the important thing with education, though, is you know we have to adapt constantly have to adapt and for me that's what I am most passionate about within the business school and why part of the reason I guess why I wanted to make that change and there's a number of reasons why I wanted to make the change but one of them 
is certainly to make sure and to help drive that change um, so that HE and businesses or business schools and businesses are working much, much closer together. Yeah. Um, and laterally in my BT days, I was director for Scotland for BT. And um, as an organization, we recruited um, many, many graduates every year. If, um, you know, going back 30 years, I was one of those graduates that was recruited. The first thing we did um, getting these great graduates in the door was send them away for six months to do all the training that they didn't get when they were at university to learn those skills. Yeah. And I couldn't help thinking as I was in my career in BT thinking, you know, this is just wrong because mm. you would expect, yes, students to have the knowledge of the great degree, as I've said, but they should have those skills as well. Yeah. And that's something that I don't think business schools historically have done enough on. Um, and obviously we're they're all pulling together and we're all working towards that now but the way the educational system is set up it's very hard to develop skills and more importantly measure and assess skills in the traditional way that we would do in an HE environment yeah and so it's thinking about how we can do that better and I'd like to think that's where you know I can bring expertise to the fore from my experience and bring businesses in and get businesses to work with us and to help develop those skills as part of the curriculum as well, which is so important. I can't think of anyone better to be in that position because like you said, you've got experience of huge um, corporate positions, huge corporate, the world around <laughs> corporate, but then you've also got the experience of being a startup and the smaller enterprises and building those up. So you've got a very broad spectrum throughout your career to be in that position to know how to guide people. And, and where they need to go to learn after they finish their careers as well, or sorry, once they've started their careers after finishing the business school. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't have all the answers, of course, but I think, you know, I, I do have a fair bit of experience and, you know, I've been there, I, I've seen how tough it is. And I've also got the reasonably um, recent experience of, of business and uh, large business and small business where I still get involved in a number of small businesses and I mentor a large number of people and um, both yeah. in startups and in, in businesses. So I think I can, yeah, I can help. And the most important thing, as I said before, is, is networks. It's about how you can share information and support others and just connect people because that's the only way it's going to work if we all talk to each other. Exactly. So tell us how the last six months have been so you you had an image when you started at the university which we discussed of how to make changes and introduce new concepts and things into the university and and i love what you had there and then COVID happened so oh, no. <laughs> how did that how has that been going <laughs> um <laughs> i mean it's been gosh i mean it's been tough for everybody of course and you know, I've got to start by saying, I guess, we are hugely fortunate that, you know, we within the educational space still have jobs to go to, you know, haven't been affected in that, albeit we've been hit very badly financially, but, you know, there's an awful lot of people and an awful lot of businesses have had it a lot worse than us. Um, but in terms of an organisation and, and where we're going, so I've been in post for two and a half years now. Yeah. And, and I feel as though this probably the last 12 months was the year where we were really making massive progress. Because when you come into any organization, as you know, um, you always have a bit of time learning about the organization. And, and I had a lot to learn from an academic perspective. And then you develop your strategy, your vision, where you're going. And 
and because my focus was very much on making sure that we were the, the business school for business, if you like, and delivering what businesses wanted, that takes time. Yeah. So once we put in the sort of the new structure based around our key skills and expertise that we had from an academic perspective, um, and once we'd engaged with the businesses and got them in, we worked with businesses to develop new curriculum in for example, an undergraduate, our biggest lab, flagship program was the business management program. Yeah. And we completely redesigned that, having a, an advisory board made up of people from all sizes and shapes of businesses, as well as some students. And they fed into what good should look like to make sure we were, we were developing the right knowledge and skills in our students. So all this was coming together. We did the same with our financial services portfolio. We were developing what we called the ESP, the Employability Skills Programme, which was again further embedding those critical skills, critical thinking, communication, collaboration, and so on. Um, those were all coming together from a financial perspective. We were on a good footing. Um, we had significantly grown in terms of our student numbers not only for Scottish home EU students in our undergrad population, but our postgraduate population as well was growing. Um, and we've done a lot, a lot of really good work in engaging with businesses. Um, COVID in the last six, 12 months, the biggest impact um, has been twofold. The first, the, the obvious one obviously is financial because universities rely on income from um, international students who no longer travel and therefore there's an implication there but also from um, other areas such as um, thank you and so also as other areas such as um, CPD and working with businesses and other activities there yeah so that stopped and when that stops obviously it, it does affect our growth plan so we had ambitious plans for September 20 where we were going to be launching some new programs we were going to be diversifying and going into some new areas and some really really exciting stuff so that's obviously been put on hold but the most challenging thing was just operational keeping the lights on how do we deliver to the students that we have so yeah. while we couldn't progress our very ambitious plans for growth and development which i'm hoping we can kickstart again in september 2021 um, we've had a massive challenge because all of a sudden we had to, as you know, close campuses. Mm -hmm. So within a week, we put all of our um, teaching online uh, within a week, which was a massive, massive challenge Huge, yeah. for the number of students that we have, you know, nearly 9,000 across the world. And to put all of that online to stop staff traveling overseas, um, our on-campus, normally Edinburgh students obviously transitioning online, um, so not only the, the implications for our IT or IS services, but just for the academic staff. They've never delivered on that scale before online, albeit we've done some online programs before, quite a lot of yeah. online programs. But this is very different. This isn't your typical independent study online program. This is an interactive experience that we're giving online now. So that was hard and really hard for our academic staff, really exhausting. Um, and tough for the students as well, because the students obviously get very concerned when they lose touch with their colleagues, when all of a sudden they're remote from the people that are there to help them or they feel remote. Yeah. And maintaining that those communities, maintaining the, the academic relationships is very, very tough. 
Um, and it's been exhausting, it's been relentless because as well, what we now do this year is we're delivering um, choice, I guess, for students because we appreciate that this year we're doing blended learning. So some students can come into campus and have some of their, not all, but some of their classes face-to-face -face where appropriate and where they can get in if they're in Edinburgh. Um, but for those that can't get in, um, or that their program isn't running entirely online, we have to do it online as well. So we're almost running double. So yeah. from a resource implication, it's huge for staff. Um, but when you look back, as we're hoping that we're, you know, we're hoping that we will come out of this, and we're in a pretty good place now. I think we're we're able to deliver a really good experience for students now, and students are getting used to it. And ultimately, as I keep saying to the students, you're going to be working this way when you graduate and go out into the real world because businesses have had to move online largely so yes. this is how it's going to continue and you need to get used to it and you need to make the best of it yeah. um, and i think we've learned a lot and i think we're offering a really really good experience and i'd like to think that going forward that we will continue a lot of the good stuff that's come out of this so yes. for example i don't want us to get back to the way universities have taught for the last 200 years where you come in and you'll have a lecture for an hour or two and then you'll have a tutorial for an hour or two yeah and we'll keep lectures recorded and online but then we'll make more of the tutorials make them more workshop much more interactive have that discussion so there's a lot of good things we can do yeah. and of course another massive benefit that this has all brought us is we can engage so much better with externals so it's yeah. so easy for somebody like yourself or anybody across the world to join one of our classes to tell the students what it is like for them or share some of their learning. <laughs> um, so we've got access to all these people that we never had before. So that's helped as well. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, it's been tough though from an um, organisational point of view. And of course, the other thing which I think is really important for businesses, not just for the business school, we probably have leapt forward in the use of technology 10 years what we probably were going to achieve in five or ten years we've done virtually overnight and i know that's the same for pretty much all businesses so i actually hark back to thinking my goodness if i was still in my bt days i would have been jumping for joy that we've managed to get everything <laughs> working all this technology out there just like that but there's always winners and losers with everything isn't there so what can, going forward, how can businesses engage with universities to create a smoother transition for, for, for students? Um, well, there's all sorts of ways. So um, first and foremost, I think if we start at the, the sort of the building blocks of what we do, um, I welcome and encourage businesses to work with us to make sure that, first of all, we're developing students that they need yeah or that they have the knowledge they have the skills so that's around development of the curriculum with us so i would invite businesses to come to us and say you know we need students that have x y and z or that can do x y and z and we can make sure that what we do fits that that makes sure all our content all our curriculum is up to date and relevant so that's the first thing I think as well, enhancing that student experience by having businesses come in is really important because it makes it real for students yeah. and it makes students understand what it's like in, in the real world. But also it starts to build those networks and those communities for students and businesses while they're still in education. Mm. So that when students come to graduate, it could be a case of 
they're not then going out cold and approaching businesses having never met them before or have an understanding of them and turn it around the other way. It also gives businesses the ability to come into university and look at the students while they're studying. Yeah. So we've got many cases where businesses have worked with us on various projects. We have things that we run in some courses, live projects or business challenges. Um, and it's a great opportunity for the businesses to actually look at our graduates, our students, look at what they're doing, build networks, identify maybe those ones that they might want to come and work with them or, you know, naturally see them in action. It's almost a bit like The Apprentice where you actually see how they are and what they're doing. <laughs> and that's really important. And I think the other big benefit that we've seen recently, um, particularly with our smaller businesses that we engage with, is going back to this sort of live projects. Hmm. So often a small business might be struggling with a, a challenge, particularly in this particular climate. It might be a sudden shift to online or it might be having to do things totally differently, whatever it is. Um, and they might not know where to go or what to do. Well, sometimes actually, if you've got a bunch of, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, they can come up with some fantastic ideas that maybe business owners yeah. have never thought of. Yeah. So why don't we join them up? And what's yeah. happened is businesses could come to us and say, well, I've got this idea or I'm not sure how to do this. We can give that to students as a live project or as a challenge and they can go away and work and come back. The ideas might not be what the business wants to take forward, but there might be something in there. So that's something we would encourage. Um, you know, yeah. There's so many different ways we can work better with businesses. And they don't really lose out on that, do they? By, by giving someone else that opportunity to look at the puzzle from a different perspective and Absolutely. without the preconceptions of already being in the project and not having it work. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's, not, you know, it's not just necessarily one fresh pair of eyes. It can be a number of fresh pairs of eyes, but yeah. you know, there's no obligation there. It's just, it's a project that students can think about that's relevant, that's applied. But actually, if the business decides, yeah, that's a fantastic idea, we want to do it, they can take it forward. If they don't, they don't. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, and I think it can add different perspectives. So those things are, are really useful. Yeah. Um, of course, we don't have a, you know, a never-ending amount of students where we can do these because they have other, <laughs> other things to do as well. But in a, in a large number of our programs, it does work really well. Hmm. Um, so this might be a, a misconception from my part, but it feels like larger corporations have the ability to take in university students straight off the ground and, and implement them into the business, teaching them along the way. But that smaller businesses might not have that capacity because they might need people with a bit more experience with fewer resources. How can one, am I wrong in that perception? And if I am, please correct me. But to what can smaller businesses do to um, overcome that hurdle and, and to be more open to engaging with students straight out of university? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, do I agree with that? Um, I'm not really sure I do. An awful lot of our graduates do go into smaller businesses, an awful lot, and an awful lot of them start yeah. their own businesses as well. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what the latest numbers are, but last time I looked at, earlier in the summer, um, working with Bright Red Triangle in the university, they've started and helped to support over about over 560 odd businesses, mainly our sort of student communities. Um, but I think, yeah, so I think a lot of students do go into small businesses, but you're right, potentially um, 
some of the large corporates with the graduate programs will take students in and they will put them through a, a training program of sorts, maybe for a year, two years, whatever it is, to develop them and mould them, if you like, into the type of, of uh, future leader that they want in their organisation. Yeah. Um, but I think there is, again, huge benefit to small businesses looking at um, graduates and employing graduates for the reasons that I've really just said, because yeah. it is amazing the ideas and the fresh perspective that these students have, and that should not be underestimated. Mm. Um, I think there probably is a disconnect between how do we make the opportunities in small businesses more available to students? So how do we bring people together? Because yeah. those small businesses might have opportunities, but the graduates might not know about them. And the small businesses might not know how to connect with those graduates yeah, as well. Yes, yeah. I think there's probably a piece of work we could do there. And um, we can certainly look at that at Napier with our uh, graduate employability team. Yeah. And the student futures team to think about how we could do that better. I mean, already we do sort of breakfasts with small, medium-sized enterprises where we talk about things. But there's probably something we could do better to make each other aware of opportunities and uh, skill sets. But the other obvious thing, again, which I've touched on, which springs to mind is, you know, small businesses shouldn't be afraid or hold back of connecting with universities while those students are going through their programme. Yeah. Because if they want to come in and talk to students, even first year, second year, third year students, that's again a great way, as I've said before, how they can have a look at the students, build those networks, get to know the students, learn and hopefully benefit themselves but it does make those connections yeah so if anyone listening to this wants to get involved how can they get in touch with you in the school um the easiest way really is to connect with me on linkedin um, that's the, by far the easiest way and i'd be very happy to connect anybody up with, if you know if they contact me and, and have a chat with them and see what we can do and yeah. um, because certainly you know we have to be connected a business school is all about helping business and driving productivity and yeah. if we're not connecting with businesses large and small then we're doing something wrong so we'll be very keen to to do that we hope you've enjoyed today's episode the Institute of Directors is in the heart of all major cities and continues to represent your point of view as a business leader, both locally and nationally. Our objective is to ensure that your views are taken into account when the government is reviewing policy, legislation, or seeking the opinions of the wider business community. If you're interested in joining the IOD, please visit www.iod.com. Also take the opportunity to listen to our other IOD podcast, Policy Voice. To join the conversation and share your thoughts in today's episode, engage with us on Twitter or join the IOD LinkedIn Scotland group. We hope the rest of your week goes well and look forward to sharing another episode with you next week. Bye.